We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's that time of year again, college football time. I am super excited to be joined by Matt and Jordan. Gentlemen, it is good. It is good to be back on the line with you fellas. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to get uh, back into the college football season. It, it's been a long stretch without any college football to look at. Boys, it's been uh, hot and humid here in South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, summer has been pretty oppressive, but we almost made it, man. We're so close. <laughs> you got like just hang on. We got we got days to go before we get football actually live on TV, and um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to to get this going. Yeah, I was listening back to some of our earlier episodes just to, you know, get in, get in the mood. And we were talking, we did our pre-draft show, and we were all like, football's in the air, it's coming. I was like, man, if I knew how long ago that was, like, those last <laughs> couple months have felt like decades. So I only thought it was close, but now it really is close. We're just over a week away, and it's going to be awesome. And I think we're all, you know, in the spirit of football, we're all sitting here and our respective places drinking our local ales. So uh, so that's a good that's a good thing. Matt, what what are you sipping on? I'm uh it's a Rheingeist Truth, which is a local Cincinnati brewery. Uh, nice IPA to be the uh, craft beer snob. Perfect. I love it. Jordan, how about you? Yeah, I have a uh, an Evergreen Blue Detour, which is also an IPA. And it's one of my favorite breweries here in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. Well, this is uh, just to keep with the brand. I'm also drinking an IPA, uh, codenamed Superfan from Odd 13 Brewing, just uh, down the street in Lafayette, Colorado. So it is, it is my favorite beer that they have there. And it is the only beer that I drink there because of it. I once tried a different one. It was winter, so forgive me. But I went with a coconut stout. 
and it sounded delicious and amazing and it was just so sweet i could only drink like a third of it and i was like yeah i'm done so you gotta be careful you gotta be careful i mean not done drinking beer i had other beer don't get me wrong i was done with that beer uh i just went back to the to the super fan but you gotta be you gotta be picky with your beers man life's too short to be drinking bad beer and that bad beer can be whatever you think it is by the way it doesn't you don't have to drink ipas no, we're an IPA exclusive podcast. Okay, our listenership just uh... <laughs> we just plummeted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm joking. Yes. Drink anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I, and if I'm not drinking beer, it's usually uh, I've, I've really adopted tequila as my new drink. Man, that stuff's just too good. But uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into. We've got football around the corner. No one needs to listen to my drinking habits. I want to start off with just a little bit of news. Um, Tate Martell is not going to be starting in Miami as of now. Anyways, it looks like Jaron Williams has, has been called the starter to start the year. Matt, you, you said you didn't really remember saying this, but I have it on record that you called this back in April. So well done on this one. I mean, I, Jaron Williams was a talented player coming out of high school. Um, I, I believe it was, Oh, Boy, I shouldn't be blanking on names right now, but I I was listening to the Cover Three podcast and they had been talking about actually how he was Tate Martell was ranked below all the guys he's getting passed by, and that's kind of how Jaron Williams is. Even though everyone loved Tate Martell and thought he was this super highly regarded prospect, and now they're just laughing at him. It, it he's not getting passed by scrubs, and Jaron Williams is just a talented dude. And it, I mean it's. I feel bad for him. I was rooting for Tate Martell just because, if nothing else, whenever Tate Martell gets on a field, he's exciting. And I, he would have been fun to watch. But, I mean, if Miami wants to win, Tate Martell might just not be the guy there. And that's that seems like a reasonable decision. It's more surprising to me that he's struggling to beat out Nikosi Perry for the backup, the backup job. So, Yeah, not ideal. I've heard people talking about him maybe – Looking at transfer, I don't know if there's anything to that. I don't even know what that would look like. He just got there, uh, but definitely, definitely unfortunate for him. I agree. He he could have been a lot of fun to watch, uh, but I understand what they're thinking as well. Uh, going with going with a different guy. Uh, what did you think when you saw this, Jordan? Well, I was just reading actually before we got on the call, and it sounds like um, Dan Enos, who came over from Alabama, who who worked pretty closely with Tua last year. It sounds like reports kind of indicate that it was sort of his call. Now, obviously, Manny Diaz is involved in that decision. And they probably made it together, but it sounds like Enos was pretty high on Williams, especially within like the last week or so. So I really don't know exactly what to expect. I mean, we're going to see it right out the gate, first game of the year against Florida, who, you know, should have a pretty solid defense. All indications point that way. So. We're going to see it right away. I, I don't quite know what to expect, but I was never really as high on Tate Martell maybe as other folks. I It just seemed like I couldn't tell whether Ohio State was purposely not using him correctly or if he was limited. It seemed like any time they brought him in, he was strictly running. Right. Um, yeah. And that... You know, that which, just doesn't Which, of course, when you've got work. Haskins there, you, you don't necessarily want him coming in and throwing. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Sure, true, true. But like, I don't know. It, it's it's just kind of interesting to me, but I will definitely be interested to watch, especially I'm, I'm definitely looking at the, the over-under in that game. I know we're not going to be previewing that game today, 
but I know it's probably already pretty low, but I still feel like it might not be low enough, but that's just a little bit of tease for uh, next week's episode. Yeah, for sure. I do think Tate Martell will have some sort of involvement in this offense throughout the, throughout the season though. And I'm, I'm going to just make two points for in his favor after I uh, so rudely predicted that Williams would beat him out. Um, for as much as we say, like, oh, he was always used as runner, and he was primarily uh, as the season wore on. When he did come up in like cleanup efforts against Rutgers, he went ten for ten. That's right. With a hundred with yeah. one hundred twenty one yards and a touchdown, and then against Tulane, ten for fourteen, hundred fifteen yards. He's he's capable, and I I do feel like that's sort of overlooked. And then the one other thing that I just have to mention because it's my like it's accurate he's probably one of the greatest high school quarterbacks that's ever played um he went basically to three he was on three national national championship level high school teams never lost a game as a starter and he pretty much did it because he was a fearless athlete and maybe he just never should have been a quarterback maybe it was he was too headstrong to change positions and become a running back but if you watch like if you ever go back and just watch season one of QB one, um, he might be a jerk, but every time you see like highlights of him on the field, he is fearless, and it's kind of just crazy to see how I guess far the mighty have fallen that he may go his entire career in college and never be a starter. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sad. Yeah, you mentioned QB one. Did you guys ever? Uh, did you guys watch Last Chance U at all? I haven't. I need to. Yeah, I have. have (laughs) The new season just dropped, and I usually like these. These kids are sometimes hard to root for because they're just they're just insane entitled athletes, but also really struggling. And so it's just really difficult at times to be like, just get your head out of your. Anyway, uh, we don't have to go into that. I really liked some of the players, but this year especially, I found them very difficult to root for. Uh, But it's just such an entertaining show, (laughs) and it just makes you think like what we see on the field is such a minuscule part of what these players are going through and who they are. Like you talk about like Tate Martell, maybe being a bit of a head case, like that can be a significant hurdle. And you, and these, especially in college, like coaches aren't going to just overlook that because they're talented because they've got Jaron Williams in the wing that they can always go to. So yeah, uh, definitely interesting stuff there. Uh, one more piece of news, uh, Ohio state university tra- trying to trademark the word, uh, the, so, so that's exciting. Uh, I'm sure you were uh, proud to hear of that, Matt. All in on it. I mean, let's just put out the business genius that is the Ohio State University. I noticed I said the word the because it is the Ohio State University. Um, such business acumen, and I I can't even defend this. I, I saw the story <laughs> and just started laughing. It was it's it's it, one it, of those it things. It means we need football on TV. I mean, that's what it's telling us. We need to be watching football because people are bored. It tells me that we need to get the paperwork to trademark the word "and." Right. That's all that's in. all I'm saying. I mean, I if you, if you can make if you can make money off of uh, tra- trademarking single words that go in almost every sentence, whatever, man. Yeah. So is Penn State needs to rush to become the first one to use "state," or "we are" because no one else used "we are." I'm go. filing the paperwork as we speak. I love it. Um, yeah, we'll 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 keep close tabs on that. Give everyone weekly updates on on the happenings there. Uh, I want to get our commercial break out of the way so that we don't have to worry about it going forward. So let's uh, quickly break here. Of course, you want to listen to the promotion. Do not hit fast forward 30 seconds. Uh, Give it a listen. We'll be back real soon. 
It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9 Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. All right, we're back. Thank you for listening. And of course, you want to check out our sponsors. Uh, but let us get into the games we are most looking forward to for this upcoming season. I'm sure that other games will pop up throughout the year. But as of now, Jordan, where are your eyes falling? What are you looking at? Yeah, so I wanted to pick a game for the first week because it feels like a good place to start. And to me, one of the most intriguing games in week one is Boise State against Florida State. For a lot of reasons, Boise State, I've always kind of had a soft spot in my heart for them um, as a G5 who pretty much annually outperforms basically what anyone would expect given their location, recruiting, et cetera. Um, and Florida State, for a lot of reasons as well, uh, Cam Akers, first of all, who's one of the best running backs in the country who has run behind absolutely atrocious offensive line play now for some time. He's just been kept down, but he is so talented. And, of course, Kendall Browse coming in with his new offense, setting aside all of the baggage that comes along with him, strictly focused on what we should expect this year. I want to see what it looks like for James Blackman, for the wide receivers, for Cam Akers, for the team in general, because there's still talent there, but they've just seems like they've just been mired for the last two years. So, yeah, that's a good that's one. A, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's low key. I'm... That's low key exciting. I, I wasn't when I saw it on there. It didn't pop out at me. But now that you're you're talking about it, I'm getting excited for it too. I remember you you had Boise on the on the docket a couple times uh, last year toward the end of the season. So yeah, definitely a a Jordan team right there. The thing that Boise State has done for me is anytime I'm driving through Idaho, which is Boise in Idaho. <laughs> Where's it is. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? tonight, <laughs> But anytime I'm driving through there, because it's called Boise State, whenever I'm driving, I always call it Boise City. And people are like, why are you calling it Boise City? It's just Boise. Um, but anyway, I'm an idiot, uh, as we have now proven <laughs> twice. Please continue, Jordan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, hey, it wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> Rotoviz. It wouldn't be Rotoviz without me making a fool of myself. So let's continue here. And I'm leaving all this shit in here. That's I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, yeah, so skipping forward to I believe it's week four, and when I read the two names or the names of these two teams, your first reaction might be kind of like meh, but I think there's a little bit of hidden potential here, and I have Minnesota and Purdue. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I mean I know you're excited for one particular reason, so might as well just start there. So Tyler Johnson, wide receiver for Minnesota. Matt's boy, been yeah. Matt's boy Listeners for a really long is. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Rashad Bateman, who is his running mate on the opposite side of the field, is quietly one of the better young receivers, I'd say, in the country. PJ, uh, that, I, will, I just have to jump in before you get to the next one. PJ Fleck, yeah. on his freshman year, said Rashad Bateman was further along in his career than Corey Davis. That is the highest praise you can give a college wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, because Corey Davis basically broke everything we had at Rotovis when he came out. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you have that pair on one side. We need to start a free Corey Davis Twitter account here pretty soon. Uh, 
Yeah, that's continue. True. <laughs> <laughs> Catching passes from Tannehill. Um, but yeah, so and then Purdue, who has my favorite player in college football, Rondell Moore, who is obviously not a secret anymore. Everyone knows who he is, but he is just so good. And he did so many things at such a young age. He's so dynamic. He's kind of sort of like a unicorn. In the, and to have those three guys uh, on the field at the, you know, not at the same time, but in the same game, it has sneaky potential for guys trying to evaluate wide receiver talent in in uh, several classes. So that's one I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on from that standpoint. Yeah, no that that's that's exciting. You're gonna have to. You went con- so earnest with your picks. I'm, yeah, I'm proud of you. Mine are going to make you laugh. Yeah, well, my, I, I, I feel kind of cheap with mine too. Now I'm like, damn, this is some deep dive shit right here. This is good <laughs> stuff. Jordan's bringing the fire. <laughs> well, I'll, okay. So to finish off, we'll go a little bit off the deep end. So this one is sort of like my uh, my you know shits and giggles pick. Week 14, Army goes to Hawaii. And the reason why I like this game is because, first of all, Army is going to be good again. And Hawaii is probably going to be good, at least on offense. They're definitely going to be good on offense. And just the juxtaposition of these two offensive systems, I think, is going to be fascinating. Army obviously runs option fo- option football, uh, might throw the ball three times a game. Hawaii is completely the opposite, spread out air the ball out all over the place. And it's it's those kind of differences that, to me, make college football the superior product to the NFL. That's a bigger conversation. But this is this is the encapsulation of that in this one game, week 14 at Hawaii. All right. Love it. I mean, boom. That's... By the way, I feel like it's weird to say shits and giggles and then dichotomy in the same, like, <laughs> paragraph, but... It's all about being versatile, man. I like it. That's that's what it is. All right, Matt, take us away. What what are you looking forward to? All right, so I'm going to start off with one that's going to make hardcore college football fans laugh because I'm picking a team that's going to be atrocious. Starting off with Oregon State and Oklahoma State. I feel like I've been too spoiled as an Ohio State fan with watching wins uh, all the time. So I'm I'm starting. I'm going to adopt a few teams this year. Oregon State is going to be one of the teams I'm adopting this year. Is a team I'm all in on. Their offense that hurts me, has though, a dude. I'm sorry. Here's the thing. They're not going to beat you. They're going to lose to you. But you have to understand, Oregon State has some fun offensive pieces. I'm going to get into one guy later, uh, Jamar Jefferson. Um, but they have Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins. Yep, that's words. Um, they have my Noah Togia. Togia? I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> yeah. Totally cool with that. But I'm loving it. He's a tight end. He was a tight end that last year I went into the year and was like, wow, he was basically uh, passed to the exact same amount as Noah Fant, and I kind of fell in love with him. But what makes them more fun is that even though they were atrocious last year, they ranked 12th in the nation in total plays run per game. 12th. They ran 76 offensive plays per game, and they're going up against Oklahoma State, who ran 78 plays per game, who ranked seventh in the country. That game, I don't care if there's no defense. I don't care if the score's 75 to 35. There's going to be a lot of offense to watch. And they're both OSU, so I feel some legal obligation to still root for them. Yeah, no, that, that uh, makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. That's where uh, I thought you were going with it, actually. Was but. it just OSU versus OSU? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't pick up on the fact that I did that until I just looked at it. Well, and you're an OSU guy. So it was all, it's all, it's, 
whatever numerology is for letters, that's what it was. Letterology. You're, you're you're doing it, dude. So that was my week one game, which is probably a less important game than um, Boise State FSU, just because I don't. I think this is a step back year for Oklahoma State, and I think this is uh, maybe they get to three wins year for Oregon State, but it's going to be fun to watch because early in the year, neither one of these teams have good defenses. They're going to just try and score as many points as possible. No, I like it. I think that's I think that's a fun one. Give us give us uh, some more for the rest of the year. All right, so week five was a week where I actually looked around and was like, I could pick all of these games. They all look fun. So just circle that one on your calendar, week five. uh, That's going to be fun. But it's the trap game of the season for Ohio State, which it shouldn't be a trap game because we're talking about it now. But Ohio State goes to Nebraska. Adrian Martinez is leading the way. They pick up a really fun freshman this year who I think is going to be impact, Wandale Robinson uh, for Nebraska against Ohio State, who they're either going to be great this year and they're going to be competing for the national title or they're not going to have it all figured out. And this game is going to be the barometer, I feel like, for their season. If they go into Nebraska, pick up a fairly easy win, Ohio State's going to be competing for a national or going to be a very real playoff contender. If they come into this game slipping, Scott Frost is a really good coach and Nebraska is going to have them on their heels. So... It's pretty much where I went with it. Yeah, I'm you know, sure that makes a lot of sense, especially I mean, not only from like a, a fan perspective, but more importantly, from a college playoff perspective, this game could have huge implications. So definitely, like even if Ohio State squeaks out a win, it sounds like you're saying like the fact that they're squeaking it out means maybe they're not where they're wanting to be. Yeah, the, this one needs to be a showcase. Yeah. Um, week 10. This is my who is going to be competing for the Pac-12 and try and make the Pac-12 relevant. I'm higher on Utah than a lot of people. I think they could win the Pac-12, and they play Washington in Week 10. And those are the, I'm sorry, um, those are the only real contenders in the Pac-12. I'm sorry. Um, I I think this is the, this Utah at Washington game is likely going to decide which Pac-12 team is trying to build a case at the end of the year for the playoff. And if it is, if it is Washington, this is going to be kind of when if Jacob Eason is having the year, I sort of expect him to have, this is going to be the year or the week when we kind of all circle him and say, maybe we should consider Jacob Eason for the Heisman. Um, Ooh, that's big talk right there. Yo, that's bold. That's bold. Yeah. It's if Washington goes into this game undefeated, picks up this win that is considered one of their tougher games left on their schedule. If, I mean, I I think that it's going to be like, maybe we need to start really considering him an option. I think it'll be in play. And I think that there's no way Tua is going to be able to top last year. I think I should say, I don't think there's a way that Tua tops last year. And I think that's going to hurt his case this year. So I just think this game could be interesting for a lot of reasons. It may have Heisman and it may have national championship implications. Yeah. And actually, I, I think you were expecting a fight for me. For those of you who don't know, I am a hardcore Oregon Ducks fan. Uh, but I, uh, as we will get into later, uh, I, cannot, I cannot fight you on anything you said. I, I fall in line pretty closely to what you're thinking there. And I think I agree with Easton. I think he's going to be ridiculous this year. 
And then my last one, I'm, I, I had to do something else that's a little off the wall. And another one of the teams I'm going to be adopting this year is Kent State. So we're going to go Kent State and Ball State to end the year. It's just two offenses that last year were, again, very fast. We're both good teams in the MAC, and Kent State brings back a quarterback that I am so excited to watch this year, and that's Woody Barrett. He's a true dual threat, dual threat quarterback that is going to be fun. Uh, should really be the best quarterback in the MAC this year, and going up against Ball State, who I don't know enough about, but they do have a wide receiver that I'm interested in, named Riley Miller. Um, that game is going to probably be garbage. I'm As I'm watching it, I'm probably going to be sitting there going, what other game is on? Oh, wait, they just scored another touchdown. I'm not changing the channel. All right. That's another one that I wouldn't have thought of, but interesting for I sure. Went, I went weird. I told yeah. you. Yeah. No, that's 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 good. It's very, very on brand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing. Uh, I went so like vanilla with my picks. I feel like a bit of an idiot now. <laughs> um, but... There are you went the games that people are actually looking forward right. to this year. They're, they're the games that I'm like super excited for. And I'll start with like week two, Texas A&M at Clemson. I think we're going to learn a lot about both these teams right out, right out of the gate. I, I would expect Clemson to take care of business pretty easily. But, man, you never know. Uh, could Clemson? I mean, they've got so many uh, freshmen and well, so many underclassmen in general on their on their team. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. I think we all expect them to be right where they were. I mean, it's not like uh, not like they've got the toughest competition out in the uh, ACC, but we'll see. Anyway, I'm excited for that one. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got Week 4, Notre Dame at Georgia. Another game where I expect Georgia to take... I think the home team should take care of business, but what if Notre Dame shows us that last year wasn't just a matter of a nice schedule and getting hot at the right time. Maybe they are legit. Maybe Ian book is, is a real, is the real deal and they can do just fine without Dexter Williams and miles Boykin. I don't know. I'm excited to find out though. when we get to find out pretty early if Notre Dame is going to be a contender, because I think Notre Dame with a loss to Georgia with the schedule that they have, you know, I, I don't see a whole lot of uh, big, I mean, they've got Notre Dame of course and USC on the schedule, but not a whole lot of games where they can make up a lot of room on another one loss team so i think they almost have to win out to to be a legit playoff contender uh, just based on their schedule so this georgia game is huge and then of course um we've got auburn versus oregon which i am kind of dreading <sighs> i want i want to be a believer in justin herbert and the oregon ducks but i i just i'm expecting to be uh to be pretty disappointed uh, i think we're going to lose to auburn and then in week eight playing at University of Washington. I, I definitely uh, agree with you on this one, Matt. I mean, I don't know. You, we haven't picked this game, obviously, but but you kind of being on Washington as a as a favorite out of the Pac-12. I, I'm totally with you. I think I think Oregon trips up there. So I'm looking forward to it because it's rivalry week. But man, I'm not looking forward to it at all. And that uh, so, could be a rough start to the season for Oregon so versus Auburn too. I want to make you feel a little bit better actually about uh, Auburn and Oregon. I do think that Auburn is. A very good team. It's a neutral site game in Cowboys. I think it's Cowboys yeah, Stadium. Yeah, they're playing an I read that right. Yep. So Cowboys Stadium, and you're like, you, no matter what, you are playing a quarterback that will be making his first collegiate starts because it's either they're 
co- quarterback competition is right now coming down to true freshman Bo Nix, and I think he's a redshirt freshman, uh, Joey Gatewood. I think both of those play well for Oregon in this situation because you guys are a little more established. You aren't going to have the to, the issues starting off the year in the same way that Auburn will because you have that true quality quarterback leading you onto the field. You've got talented. You've probably, I mean, you're three or four deep at running back who are all potential contributors. You're good enough on defense. I think the determination on that game is going to, it's going to come on down on Justin Herbert's shoulders because Auburn's defensive line is as about as good as there is in the country with the exception of like Clemson. So while well, I think you can be concerned about that game, I actually think you should have some optimism that that could be a highlight moment for you because that's a really big stage for a first-time starter. And I don't care if Bo Nix is the greatest quarterback that's ever come through Auburn. Even Trevor Lawrence last year had a couple slip-up moments. And I think that that's a game where Oregon's stability might actually be a very big benefit to them. And they, they have one of the best offensive lines in the entire country. So if, if anyone, uh, Oregon, that is. So if anyone really stands a chance at standing toe-to-toe with that Auburn D-line, like you said, it is Oregon. It, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to equate necessarily in your brain, but it's absolutely the case. So I, I kind of agree with Matt. I've got, Whereas, two, I've got two words for you boys. Redbox Bowl. I don't know if you guys remember it, <laughs> but it was pretty disgusting. And that was against Michigan State, who, I mean, granted, has a very good defense. But, man, this this Auburn defense, I think, can shut shut. The, I think Herbert's going to be great, but who's he going to throw it to? I'm not convinced that we have any weapons. I mean, we they just lost Schooler as well, or Schuler, however you say his name. And uh, they don't have a whole lot. Dylan Mitchell, you know, he's he's with the Vikings now. So why am I blanking on his name? Jordan, what's the guy who transferred to Oregon this year from Penn State? Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson is your best receiver and he's going to be very good. He's good enough. He's he's a quality receiver. Yeah, I mean, because I agree with you guys. Our offensive line is fantastic. I think the running game is going to be just fine. And that's what Oregon wants to do anyway. I just remember that that red box bowl and no one being able to make a play. And uh, I get a little bit nervous about this offense uh, when they play stronger defenses uh, I would include the University of Washington in that mix. I, I think they have a really strong defense, but uh, I think it's their offense is great for the Pac-12 against most of those those teams. But I I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, this is this doesn't have to be an Oregon uh, Oregon Ducks podcast. <laughs> well, then let, here let me jump in actually quickly. Uh, that Notre Dame Georgia game I, is probably one of my I I thought about putting it on my list as well. Javar Armstrong for Notre Dame, I think, is going to potentially by the end of this year be a name that a lot of people know. Uh, he he seems to be the next great running back for Notre Dame that a lot of people are excited about. Um, I think Georgia is actually they lost their top four top four receivers: Nada, Godwin, Hardman, and uh, Garbage. Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping you would actually have forgotten his name. That would have been even better. <laughs> I mean, it took a second, but his name is garbage to me. So, uh, but there, but the interesting thing about them is going to be they have talent at the at various receiver positions. They, I mean, they've been the top two or three recruiting class for the past couple of years, so that's not a surprise. Um, everyone's kind of seen the viral clip of George Pickens making this insane catch during practice. I think he's going to have a little bit of an impact this year. So, I. Uh, that's a game I, that 
should be on everyone's must-watch list because right. Notre Dame very well could go and win that game because of something fluky happening. They can just hang long enough and then make it fluky. I think Georgia's the better team in almost everywhere except for uh, – I. Georgia's the better team pretty much across the board. They should win it, but Notre Dame, if they go out and win this game, puts themselves immediately, realistically, probably in the college football playoff because as long as they don't drop two other games, that's the game they're supposed to lose on their schedule. If they go out and do that, and even if they lose to Michigan, you're talking about an 11-1 and team at the end of the year. Notre Dame, that's their that right there is their playoff. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's why I, th- I think it's a I think it's a good one. I think it's going to be. I don't actually know if it'll be a close game, but it'll be an entertaining game from from the perspective that you just said. So yeah, that's good. Jordan, you have anything else you want to say about any of these games? No, I think we can uh, roll into the next segment whenever you boys are ready. No, I'm I'm never ready, but we can roll on anyway. Um, <laughs> We're getting into the best segment. Yeah, I know. I'm 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 really excited to hear from you guys because uh, you got. I, I I look at stuff. Okay, so we're doing over under overrated and underrated uh, for the year, and mine are, are all kind of like from like the five thousand foot view, looking at the college landscape. But you guys really get into it and uh, go pretty deep on some of this stuff. So I'm really excited to hear from you guys on this because you get to educate me and entertain me all at the same time. So uh, Jordan, why don't you lead the way here? All right, cool. So I'm gonna kick it off with an overrated team which is always kind of tough to talk about because I always prefer to speak positive of teams and players. But for this segment, I picked Texas A&M, who is ranked 11th in the country. And to be clear, this is not necessarily an indictment of the talent on their roster, uh, but but it's <laughs> it's more so for the schedule, which is absolutely brutal. And, and looking at the schedule, I, you know... I see probably four for sure wins. And Bill Conley has them projected at 6.9, a, a nice 6.9 wins. Nice. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, they go to, this is just incredible. They go to Clemson, to Georgia, and to LSU all in the same year. Yeah. They somehow catch Clemson out of conference, which is just very unfortunate. Um, and you know, I like a lot of, I like a lot of the pieces on their team. I think that they're building in the right direction, but I also think that they lose Travion Williams, who was basically their entire, basically their entire ground game last year. And I know that Jay Sean Corbin is someone who Matt wrote up earlier this, uh, earlier this year as a guy who should step in and see a boost in his value, um, in Debbie leagues. And I agree with that, but I also think that Travion Williams was just that important. And they also lost another one of Matt's boys, Jay Sternberger, who yeah, is buddy. now pushing. Yeah. Who, who was their leading receiver last year. He had 78 targets, led the team in targets, catches yards, touchdowns, the whole shebang. They have talent, uh, at wide receiver, but again, there's, they, they lose a good bit. They lose their starting center and right guard. Um, and their defense, they lose. I think their starting tight end just got injured. Might be out for the year too. Earlier this week. That's correct. And they also lose two starting. Uh, I believe the two guys that started at safety for them last year. So there might be a little bit of wobble in the back end as well. <laughs> but um, 
unintentional, I swear. <sighs> um, yeah. Um, but anyways. <laughs> At I, least we have a podcast title now. I mean, thank you. <laughs> Wobble in the back end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I went with Texas A&M. I do think that they probably – they have a chance at winning eight games, I think. But even best case scenario, say they say they go eight and four, I don't think that they end up at eleventh. I, th- I think they end up ranked, and they definitely, you know, eight and four with this schedule is a solid result. But it's just a daunting task. Um, and then going the opposite direction for an underrated team, I went with Iowa State, who is kind of a trendy pick. Like I've been listening to some other podcasts, some college football podcasts and you know iowa state i don't think is necessarily sneaking up on anyone um and they lose david montgomery and hakeem butler two guys who were really really good last year but they have brock purdy at quarterback who last year as a freshman uh averaged 8.8 adjusted or uh, just yards per attempt was really really solid um, I think they have guys in the backfield. They have two true freshmen coming in, Brees Hall, Jarrell Brock, who I think might be able to factor in. They have guys at wide receiver, not necessarily a direct replacement for Hakeem Butler, but they have guys who can fill in. They bring back their entire offensive line. They bring back a bunch of starters on defense. And I really like Matt Campbell as a head coach. Um, and the schedule is is decent. So I think starting unranked, I – I don't really see having a I, I don't really see like Iowa State necessarily having a hard time finishing third in the Big Twelve. Um and I you know, you guys might disagree, but I really like them this year. I think that they have a chance to make some noise. And finally, just for a player, because I know we wanted to throw players in this category as well. Um Your boy. My boy, man. And for underrated and I feel <laughs> sort of feel like I'm losing my mind because I talk about this guy a lot and it's kind of just like shouting into the void. But uh, Lynn Bowden at Kentucky, or I think he's a junior. I don't know if he goes by Lynn Bowden Jr. But wide receiver, he posted a .37 dominator rating last year as a sophomore. I wasn't able to track down his exact birth date, but I'm assuming he was either 19 or 20 years old. So that's a solid breakout age. He was also really good at on uh, in the kick return game. He was uh, averaged, I think, 22 yards a kick return, uh, 29 yards per punt return. He had two t- two punt return touchdowns last year. Dynamic in the return game. I think that speaks to his overall athleticism. Benny Snell's gone. Obviously, different position, but they need to look elsewhere for a focal point at offense. Terry Wilson, I think, if he progresses just a little bit, he can be actually a pretty decent quarterback. And also Isaiah Epps. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, Isaiah Epps, uh, junior wide receiver there, who was, I think expected to kind of step into the number two role. Uh, he fractured his foot, I believe this past week and he's out around six weeks, I think were, were the reports that I read. So it's even more like it, depending on how he recovers, who steps up to, to replace Epps, we're looking at a potential for like a, I don't know, 0.4, 0.45, 0.5 dominator rating, potentially like a monster, like, like a Georgia tech wide receiver type dominator rating. And he's going undrafted per Debbie watch ADP. So I don't know, man, I'm just going to keep talking about it. I, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, I think, (laughs) I think it's good. Real, real quick. Tell, tell the people what a dominator rating means. 
Yeah, sure. So dominator rating is essentially the percentage of a team's receiving yards and receiving touchdowns um, accounted for by one single player. So basically you combine those two percentages, divide by two, and you get a percentage of their overall, what we consider to be their overall receiving production. So it gives you a better idea of, of how, um, how involved they were in the passing game how much, how many targets, and how much attention they drew to themselves, and then that factors into uh, breakout age, which we, I believe, we'll talk about here yeah. in a little bit. Yeah, no, and I, I like Dominator Rating because it, it gets a little bit more uh, detailed, a little bit more. Uh, it's a little bit more telling than just like a target percentage because those targets don't all carry the same value. So I, I like the fact that it, it uh, encompasses a lot more than just that. So uh, yeah, that's great, uh, Matt. How about you? What, what are some of your overrated and underrated for the year? I'm actually going to flip it because uh, Jordan started off mean and went nice. Uh, I need more time to talk about being mean. Of course. So <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my underrated. Um, as I dig deeper into this, I'm feeling less confident in this pick. But they're 24th in the coaches poll right now, and it's Northwestern. This is a bet on Pat Fitzgerald being the coach that I believe he is, which is like the second best coach in the Big Ten. Yep, shots at Jim because um, he's not good um <laughs> but I, it's not necessarily the fact that i think 24 is a bad rating i actually think that's probably where they're going to finish the year it's that in the big 10 west they're currently ranked behind nebraska um oh i should have iowa and wisconsin all ranked ahead of them and while i think that nebraska is probably justifiable and i think i was getting the like goodwill factor of eh, we're gonna trust in them um I just don't really get it with this ranking. They they won the Big Ten uh, West last year. They were in the Big Ten championship game. They actually gave a pretty respectable game to Ohio State. I know they lost some key starters. However, they're bringing in arguably the most talented quarterback that's ever played for their program. It is his first year, but he's a former five-star quarterback. And the only reason they got him is because Trevor Lawrence went to Clemson. Um, and Hunter Johnson, I genuinely think he's already one of the five most talented quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Um, and then they bring back a really, really versatile running back, Isaiah Bowser, who rushed, uh, had 197 carries last year for 866 yards. I want to see that uh, yards per carry kind of improve a little bit. Uh, this is kind of a critical year for him. And I want to see him get a few more receptions because he seems to be pretty valuable in that range. So. I do think that they're going to finish probably around the 24 range, but I can't see any path to them being the fourth best team in the Big Ten West. And then getting to why I love Oregon State, Jermaine yeah, Jefferson. Um, as a true freshman, he rushed for 1,380 yards, had 25 total receptions, and had 12 touchdowns. Um, so that's 5.8 yards per carry. I actually want to see that improve. I know at first glance, 5.8 seems like a, like a pretty solid number, but I, I want to see it eclipse six. I think he's a capable guy. I think he can get to that truly elite uh, range of efficiency. And he did this all on a trash team and kind of making it more impressive. He had 1,380 yards. He was not the starter when the season began. So he took over the job when an injury happened as a true freshman and went crazy. So one of my favorite prospects, I think he's being insanely undervalued in Devi drafts right now. I think the Devi watch guys, I should have had this up in front of me a second ago. 
Uh, I think he's about a fourth or fifth round pick. And I honestly, oh, I take that back. He's 61st. So he's right around the fifth, sixth rate turn. That's insanely low for a guy who broke out as a freshman and is that valuable. So love him. Keep an eye on him. He's one of the reasons I'm going to watch Oregon State this year. Yeah, he's actually good. I, I watched a little bit of Oregon State and, of course, watched them play Oregon. And he didn't have like a massive game, but you could tell he was a special talent. He He's he's elusive and he's, yeah, I think it'll be, I think that's a good call. Definitely still want to be looking out for. Uh, you mentioned that you thought Nebraska was, was just fine. I actually think they're a little bit overrated. I mean, they're, it depends how you want to talk about this. From a win-loss perspective, I think they're going to be fine. They only play three games against top 25 teams and they get all of them at home. So, I mean, they've got a pretty favorable schedule, but I'm just not really a believer. Uh, they're, they're presumed starting running back. Um, Maurice Washington is facing possible suspension, so he might not even be there. Mills is, 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 is somewhat unproven. Adrian Martinez, I think just turns the ball over a little bit more than I feel comfortable with. Um, again, I think they'll be okay from a win loss and they probably will end the year right around 20th or so so maybe it's not uh, an unfair rank but i just don't think they're as good as, as some people are making them out to be i've heard people uh utter their names as a dark horse candidate to do to do something this year and i i just don't i just don't see it another overrated for me is oklahoma uh there's just i just don't believe that defense is fixable in one off season it was just so bad and i'm not sure that jalen hurts can do what Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield were able to do. Uh, so I'm I'm just a little unsure. I'm I'm not like upholding to that take. I'm sure Oklahoma will win plenty of games this year, but I'm, I am nervous. I think they're a little overrated. Um, underrated, I'm strongly on uh, Washington this year. I think they have a super legit defense. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think they could be could be special. Uh, of course, Peterson's an amazing coach. They're running back while they lose Miles Gaskins uh, to the NFL. Salvin Ahmed My is boy. he? Yeah, he, I'm, I'm drafting a little bit of him with this uh, Kenyon Drake news. Um, but uh, Salvin Ahmed, I think, could just beast out this year. He is a super talented guy. He he he's a running back that I think will, will really explode. You mentioned Jacob Eason off the top here, Matt. I think he's in for a huge year. I think we're all going to see what we hoped Jake Browning would be, you know, like I'm excited that we don't have to, to, to look at Browning's sad face in the huddle anymore. And uh, I'm excited to see some, something a little bit, a little bit more efficient while also being a little bit more explosive from Eason. So I expect, I fully expect the university, the university of Washington, as much as it pains me to say it, to be playing in the PAC 12 championship and winning it. Uh, I don't know if they'll have, quite the uh, resume to make it into the playoff uh, because there, there are some pretty tough games on their schedule but i do think they'll win the pac-12 uh underrated team for me i definitely think they finish uh better than their 14 rank right now am i supposed to sit here and ignore the fact that i didn't get to go through my overrated oh man no no, no. or the fact I, or the fact that you use the word the whenever you said washington <laughs> yeah can you send ohio state or the, sorry yeah. sorry i, I don't think i don't think it's right a it. i don't think i owe the money yet but um, well I, I wanted to finish the over under or the over underrated uh on a high note so i wanted you to be able no. to just go off at the end with your railing he's of, teeing you up man he's i'm just kidding i'm kidding I, no i, I totally I think, you I think, you skipped around in the show doc man i'm i'm a slave to the show doc <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing i don't play anybody's rule. By, don't play by anybody's rules. Not even my own. So, 
the last thing that we need to talk about before we leave the overrated underrated segment is the most overrated team in the country okay, right now. Okay, go for it. It is the University of Michigan, and it pained me just to utter those words. They're seventh in the in the preseason polls. It is a joke. The team's strength last year was their defense, which, by the way, got torched twice to end the year. Um, and by the way, the more important focus of that defense, the best part of the defense, was their front seven, which lost multiple players to the NFL, including their stars, Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich. Both are gone. Do they have replacement players waiting in the wings? Sure, but it's their first time starting and making it even more of disgraceful the fact that people are putting them to win the Big Ten and beat Ohio State. They lost both of their quarter, both of their coordinators for their strength at their defense. Their linebacker coach, Al Washington, gone, went to the rival Ohio State because he's smart. Their uh, defensive line coach, Matt, uh, yeah, Greg Madison, gone, went to Ohio State because he's smart and he left. And now everyone's hyping up. Oh, they got, they're going to finally run this creative offense because they brought in Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis, he's the savior. Oh, man, look at what he's going to do with Shea Patterson. Josh Gaddis has never called plays, he, not once. Do I think he's going to be a better uh, play caller eventually? Yes. Do I think he's going to uh, scare me one day? Yes. But you think I'm afraid of Josh Gaddis in his first year as an offensive coordinator calling plays underneath the most controlling coach in the or one of the most controlling coaches in the country in Jim Harbaugh? Heck no. They're going to be running the same boring Big Ten offense uh, that everyone ran in the mid-90s by midway through the year because – Jim Harbaugh can't help himself. And the worst part about it is he doesn't even have the running back depth to do it. They're going to be running the ball up the middle with Zach Charbonnet, put 400 carries on him, burn his legs out as a freshman, and their defense isn't going to be able to be great enough. This team's going to have three losses this year. They're going to enter the game to Ohio State with already two losses on their resume. And that game's not going to be that important. And Ohio State's going to run them out the water. Woo. Circle November 30th on your calendars, boys and girls. It's kind my, of, face, yeah. my face is charred. I feel like I was just listening to Columbus Sports Talk Radio. Good Lord. I mean, Woo. are they hiring? Because I'll, I'll do this in their, on the radio, too. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was hot right there. I like it. I, I, like, I like a strong take like that. You know that. Yeah, I, I want people to bring it. Uh, go ahead and give out your Twitter, Matt, so people can at you really Whiskey quick. The kid. Whiskey Get the, me, at Whiskey the <laughs> yeah. Kid. Go, go after him. Uh, he, he has called out the entire state of Michigan, I believe. Uh, so, so there we go. There we have it. No, I, I, I love it. That's good stuff. I, I do want to, before we finish up, I want to take a little bit of time just talking about Debbie. Uh, so if, if you fellas, um, why don't you start us off, Jordan? Let, let's let Matt you know, recover. He, I'm sure he's, uh, <laughs> he's got to drink a couple Powerades to, to replenish his fluids. Uh, but uh, let's let's hear from you, Jordan. Just talk a little bit. What is Devi? How can people play? And just get us started. Then we can talk in some of the more detailed stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'll keep it pretty uh, pretty general and pretty brief. But essentially, uh, what we call Devi is sort of an expanded version of Dynasty League football, which is essentially most most folks listening probably understand what what Dynasty is to begin with. But you in a startup draft in a Dynasty startup, you draft your team. And then you hold on to that team for the foreseeable future. Hopefully, your league plays through multiple seasons. And the benefit of having a or playing in a in a dynasty league is being able to hopefully see what's coming before it gets there and be able to profit off of that. And then Debbie, like I said, is sort of an extension off of that, where 
instead of just being able to draft and roster players who are currently in the NFL, Debbie gives you the option to be able to draft and roster players who are still in college. So it's basically just taking it one step further. And it's really, it's really enjoyable format for folks who love college football. And if you pay really close attention and you, you know, you can, you can really, you can really get a leg up on the competition if you can see what's coming down the road or to, you know, to some degree, be able to predict what's coming down the road several years in advance. In an average Debbie league, how many, how many college type guys will you have on your roster? Well, that, that depends. My league, uh, the main league I play in, I believe has six spots. I don't know, Matt, I would, I want to cross reference with you too, because we were just talking about this actually, um, not too long ago, talking about different platforms and stuff like that. Is that a, is that a similar setup as what you have going on on your end? So it's sort of, I I think five to six is kind of the standard for uh, Devi leagues. Yeah. And see, I play, I kind of went intense with it on a couple of them. So I'm in, I'm in one that you have a full college fantasy football roster and you're running simultaneous leagues. I also have um, one where it's unlimited Devi spots, but you only get four picks per year. So you're sort of in theory rotating the players through your taxi squad as they get to the pros, but you can end up with quite a few players there. But the one that I would say is the most just straightforward. I'm in one. It's um, with a lot of the guys from Devi watch and you have a limited taxi squad of 10 spots. So you can have only 10 players um, who are basically not counting towards your active roster, but then there's technically not a limit on how many you have on your team, they just will be dead spots. So it varies league to league, but I think that if you're getting in with people who are pretty unfamiliar with it, they tend to say just start out with one to two, just because, or one to two round Debbie draft each year. So you're not overwhelming it. And then if you are um, starting to get a little more uh, advanced with it, then you maybe add in like three, four, so you can get some of those kind of sleeper players because when you do a two round Debbie draft each year, you sort of always know who's going to go. Right. That's great. Thank you guys. Uh, let's, let's jump into a little bit, a uh, little bit more of how you guys evaluate talent when it comes to, to these young players, these, these college potential breakouts for the NFL. What are you guys looking for? What are some of the key, for example, I know you guys talk about breakout age and, and other type things. We talked a little bit about dominator rating and stuff like that. So can you guys just give us a, an idea of what you're talking about when you're, when you're looking at some of these different areas of analysis? So I'll jump in first and go a little bit brief because I know Jordan's done a little more research in this. So for what you're kind of looking for with breakout ages is when you have a truly elite player, the hope is that they get on campus and the coach can't help but keep them off the field. So you want players that are when they get on campus as a freshman, they're making an impact. And by their sophomore year, they're reaching what we call what the th- ideal threshold that we're looking to hit or even hitting it as a freshman like uh, I believe Juju Smith-Schuster hit the threat or hit the breakout as a freshman sites vary how they want to throw the threshold out there of what is a dom or what is a breakout season some sites use a 0.2 dominator um, most of the writers over at rotoviz are going to stick with a uh, 0.3 dominator and then uh, i have seen some that because they put more of an emphasis on yards than on touchdowns because touchdowns are a bit fluky they'll just shift it back to they'll do a 0.2 market share of receiving yards at least for receivers so for all of those the basic threshold is 
you want someone who the coach can't help but try to use. So whether that be a wide receiver who is getting force-fed targets because the coach knows that he is the standout player, or if it's the running back that as a freshman is already getting 150 to 200 carries, you just want them to get on the field. Yeah, Yeah, and at a very basic level, another way to look at it is essentially you want players who dominate at a young age in comparison to their opponents. And at the college level, when you think about a freshman or a sophomore being 18 or 19 years old, it makes sense intuitively that an 18-year-old who is performing well, dominating against opposition who might be 20, 21 years old, it kind of, it makes intuitive sense that they probably have a bit of a leg up in comparison to their peers who might not be at that advanced level at that young age. And that's kind of the way that I would probably describe it to someone. Yeah, that that's really good. Uh, what are some other ones that you guys like to, to look at? Yeah, so I mean, I'll jump in real quick. Um, again, sticking with age, which we do a lot at Rotoviz, um, we think it's pretty predictive, but rookie age, uh, Blair Andrews, who's um, a writer and editor on the site, has done a lot of work looking at the effect of rookie age for, especially for running backs and wide receivers. And to boil it down, essentially rookie running backs and wide receivers who play their rookie season at age 21 vastly outperform all other age groups, 22, 23, 24, et cetera, to the point where 21-year-old rookies um, hit the 200-point PPR threshold at least once in their first three seasons, nearly twice as often. So uh, I would I would advise anyone listening who wants to learn more about that to check out the site and the work that Blair has done. It's really in detail, and it's it's really eye-opening when you read it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll be sure to link uh, the articles for all these different things that we're talking about in the show doc. So uh, go ahead and, and go over to the, the show doc page on rotaviz.com. You'll find all of the links to these different things if you want more information. Yeah, continue, please. Yeah, sure. And another one is the Adjusted Production Index, which is uh, the brainchild of Travis May, who is uh, the Debbie coordinator at the site. And he's new, relatively new to the site this year. But his one of his real big projects this summer was what he called the Adjusted Production Index, Um, and again, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Essentially, um, it talks a lot about yards per team pass attempt, which is a relatively new metric kind of getting thrown around a little bit in the industry, which has some potential to be similar, a similar level of predictiveness to dominator rating. I think there still needs to be some work done, but essentially yards per team pass attempt is, receiving yards divided by that player's team uh, pass attempts and that scaled with uh, dominator rating and a couple other things rolled into the adjusted production index. That's another article that I would definitely recommend that you read um, on the site. And of course, shameless plug for the series that I worked on pretty hard this summer is the vacated opportunity. Um, Basically I went through each Power Five conference, team uh, team by team, to show vacated pass attempts, rush attempts, targets, to show who uh, returning for 2019 could see a bump in opportunity. There's a lot of nuggets and takeaways in there that I think are probably worth checking out if you're playing in this type of format or if you just like college football in general. 
And finally, uh, workhorse score, which is a running back based metric that that uh, we have on the site, which essentially um, measures the percentage of um, uh, a, a single player's percentage of the um, rushing yards, the non QB rushing yards. So essentially um, it would be the team rushing yards minus quarterback rushing yards uh, accounted for by running back. And it's it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, a couple years ago, Philip Lindsay was basically the top guy in this metric. And, um, you know, one hit doesn't necessarily uh, make a metric uh, bulletproof, but I think it does give it a little bit more credibility. And that's something that Blair Andrews also takes care of on the site. So those are just a couple things. And I know that was a lot of information, but again, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about those about those subjects and other things, all that stuff is on the website, rotaviz.com. Really well researched, and I think it'll really build your knowledge and make you more confident. Yeah, and, and otherwise they can just hit you up on Twitter and ask questions, and you can provide them with links and all that good stuff too. I know you love absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> and some of the some of the other things that I've actually I like to look at. So for wide receiver, I think Dominator and. Um, breakout age are kind of the big things but the other one is sort of career or career market share of receiving yards has been found has been tested in the best and found to be a pretty decent indicator for success in the nfl and the number you're kind of looking for is 29 percent for their career so if they're over that 29 percent threshold for their career it puts them in a better situation or a higher likelihood of being a successful NFL wide receiver, at least for the purposes of fantasy. Um, and then if they're not going to be hitting that, then you want them to be fairly um, efficient as a uh, field stretcher. So what I mean, when I say field stretcher, I'm looking for over 17 yards per reception, um, which is really high. But the reason I say that is mostly it comes down to you're either going to be a guy who was, crazy crazy um important to the team so they're constantly throwing at them or they're going to be a guy that goes out and is making an impact in the game in a way that other players can't so for receivers those are the big things that i also will mix into my analysis the other stuff i tend to look for and some of this is on just a very simple level um i want to see if a guy is capable of holding up to a um heavy workload and so my key number that I've been using for the past couple of years is about 200 carries. Um, if they can handle 200 carries and not see a dip in their efficiency. So I want to see 200 carries and six yards per carry. And then ideally, I also want someone to get um, one to two receptions per game. I definitely want them to be over that 1.0 uh, receptions per game um, because it just shows that versatility and ability to stay on the field. It's why I liked Nick Chubb more than I liked Sonny Michelle a couple of years ago. And it was because Nick Chubb had proven he was capable of going over six yards per carry, even with a full workload. And while Sonny Michelle was crazy, crazy efficient on 157 carries, um, his his efficiency dips pretty substantially when he went uh, over that 200 threshold. So while I don't think I can use Sonny Michelle as like this failure because he's already been pretty decent in the NFL, there is something to be said about the fact that uh, – if a player can't hold up and be efficient at the college level, then the odds of them being able to do the same at the pro level is pretty low. So it's just, it's little things like uh, that where you're just kind of, you find some, maybe 
arbitrary looking thresholds and they can kind of make some players stand out that you didn't necessarily think would. Uh, I think this is really important stuff and, and probably uh, an episode that uh, people want to link back to numerous times to, to, to really get a good understanding of some of these metrics because they really can be useful and set you apart, not only just for like Debbie and stuff like that, but just learning about which players you can expect to be productive at the NFL level. Uh, but then also, of course, for DFS, um, that's the last thing I kind of want to get into. We'll be talking a little bit more about DFS this season than we did last year. We're still trying to figure out exactly what that will look like. Um, I do believe Rotoviz will have other podcasts that are dedicated solely to DFS. Uh, but we will be giving you some, some tips and recommendations along the way. Uh, we're still trying to figure out uh, just because of legalities and whatnot, if we can actually do uh, sets of um, like do do a custom league where we can invite listeners and all that kind of stuff and and, and see what we can figure out. But we're still looking into all that. We'll let you uh, know further information as we get there. But before we sign off, because we are at the hour mark, uh, Jordan, is there anything you want to leave the good listeners with? Not too much. I mean, it's just good to be back with with you fellas and. Um... Currently, uh, just uh, another plug while we're here, um, going to be dropping, I think, a three-piece article series really going deep into the 2020 running back class, which we all know has been billed as potentially historic, really focused in on the pass-catching aspect of the class, which I think is probably the most interesting Chuba. thing about them. Yeah, boy, he's there. He's there. And it, it's drawn. You are all about OK State this year. My goodness. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it, it'll be drawing a lot. Something else that I forgot to mention, uh, Ryan Collingsworth, who is a new writer at the site, has been doing really, really good work since he came on, um, particularly talking about like the passing revolution in the NFL and how that translates to uh, running back production, which I rely heavily on for this series. Um, just a tease. You guys will want to check it out. But he's another guy on the site who's been doing really good work, and I just wanted to name drop him real quick. Yeah, we'll we'll try to get him on for one of these shows at some point. It'd be fun to talk to him. He's also in. Uh, we just do a, we're doing a startup dynasty league, and he's he's one of the guys in there too. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, how about you, Matt? Anything you you want to share before we we take off here? Uh, no, but I'm just going to list off players that I'm in love with right now and call it before the season starts. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, not surprising. Uh, Tyler Johnson, again, not super surprising. Um, my fun ones though this year that I'm gonna watch as much as I can. Max Borgie of Washington State already might be the most fun running back uh, outside of Jefferson in the Pac-12. And then I'm really, really excited for uh, incoming freshman uh, Garrett Wilson with Ohio State. Coaches cannot stop raving about him uh, through the practice. He's not a starter yet, but I think by the end of the year, he's going to make an impact with Ohio State in the receiving game. That's great. And uh, any anything you're working on now that you can direct people to? I've got had a few articles come out recently. I'm about to have a series come out in the next week going over my quote-unquote perfect draft where I go through redraft leagues and just break down my perfect draft. Yeah, that's great. And, of course, I will be podcasting here at Rotoviz with the – baseball show that you guys have heard many many good things about i'm sure you can find me there and also i'm uh, working on the division preview series with colm kelly uh, neil and mike so that's a that's a really good one i had chris harris on earlier today i'm having jj on tomorrow that one uh, that's the afc north will drop on sunday so that will be 
that'll be a good listen for sure. So you'll, you'll want to check that out. And I'll have a couple articles coming out over the next few weeks. My first one will be on Tyler Lockett, which I am super excited about because the dude He's is good. a beast <laughs> and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Uh, but before we take off, uh, let, let the good people know where they can find you, Jordan. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at jhoover9787 and obviously writings at Rotoviz. And you can find me at Wispy the Kid, and also pretty much exclusively writing at Rotoviz this year. And please do remember to to hit Matt up with your Michigan. Um, either, please, whether you agree or disagree, I just wanna I just wanna watch the gifts flow. So so please do that. You can find me on Twitter at StayFunLaco. Be listening to all of our other Rotoviz podcasts. There's a lot of great content coming out. The boys mentioned some of the great articles that are being written. Uh, if, if you need anything at all, do be looking at Rotoviz for for all of your needs. Once again, we have our Rotoviz Patreon ready for you. This is the second season, and it is better than ever. Patronships start at just six dollars per month, and we now offer exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcasts and writing team. So you want to get on that. Uh, Patronships also get their first dibs on listener league spots. You got to sign up soon because that is wrapping up pretty quick here. The NFL is starting. And in the $9 tier, you can get some great Rotoviz radio merchandise at the end of the season. So do become a Rotoviz radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high quality industry leading programming you can find all this at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. You will not regret it. All right, gentlemen, we will be back together next week to get into some games. That is so exciting. I can't believe it's finally here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. We'll be talking to you guys then. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. The wait is finally over. Notfest Roadshow is back. October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live. Featuring Slipknot. With Kill Switch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.